0: Amen. Easter Sunday. Come on. John chapter 19, verse 30. I'll paraphrase it for you, but this is where we get the words from Jesus on the cross when he says, It is finished. And You're like, okay, what, what does that mean for me? What could that possibly mean? Uh, maybe today, 2,000 years later, it's finished. Okay. Many people could have had a different interpretation of what it is finished even means. Even if they were surrounding the cross or even new stories of Jesus, it is finished could have meant a whole bunch of things. But it meant so much to you today and to me today and to even their time. It is finished was probably the most powerful word spoken since Genesis when God said, let there be light. And there was a whole bunch of time in between. But these words spoken into earth change everything. Jesus hanging on the cross, having died for your sins and my sins and the sins of the world. He then says, it is finished. finished. The Greek word for this, which is the actual word he would have spoke, would have been tetelestai. It means a sacrifice is accomplished or the sacrificed is accomplished. Like the Jewish mind, they would have known this word because of the animal sacrifices and some of the rituals they would have performed. And so to hear the word tetelestai would have mean the sacrifice is accomplished. Sacrifice is accomplished. Meaning, Jesus, when he uh, lived on this earth perfectly, and he did all of the things throughout his ministry and all the journey, the journey that he did, even to the point that he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's he's praying and he's asking his fellow disciples, "Stay up with me, pray with me." He's in all this anguish. Scripture says that he's even sweating blood, and there's all this sort of big stuff going on in him when he says to Telestai, "It is finished." It's like putting a slam dunk on that whole season of his life right there. But I want to tell you this, it wasn't the end of an era. When he says it is finished, it's not like a genre is coming to an end. You know, if you're a sports person, you have people that debate like the greatest eras of basketball. You know, you got people say, well, no, it's the 80s and it's the 90s. And you have all these eras. This wasn't an era of Christianity that was coming to an end. It was actually just the beginning of, are you with me? I thought about it like this. You know, when he said to Telestai, He's saying it more from like the context and the heart tone of mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Some of us, we would hear maybe it is finished. And you would interpret that as like when you lose a video game, like game over. This wasn't Jesus on the cross, like it is finished. Uh. Or like the way that we try to trick our kids, my daughter, uh, our little fun one. Remember, we're calling her the fun one. She's two and a half years old. And uh, I'm not kidding you, like a month ago, we had like one half a nice day, you know, because we live in Michigan. So we had like a half a nice day. And when we went outside, she found old water balloons in the old like little kiddie pool. And she was so adamant. And I'm afraid of her. So I gave her what I want, what she wanted. (laughs) And so we got out these water balloons. And you know how with your kids, you're trying to convince them that the end is good. And so, because you know they're going to cry when the thing is over. So we had all these water balloons, and I know we're getting to the end. And when she's getting ready to pop the last one, it's like, it's going to pop. And then, and then you go something like this as a parent. Like, you get stunned and you like, yay, it's all done. And you hope that they're not going to cry. Oh, well, It's all done. You know, this wasn't the cross. This wasn't the moment where it is finished, and we're all trying to pretend. Like it is finished. No, no, no. This was mission accomplished. If you've ever been an athlete and you maybe play basketball, if you've ever shot a shot that you know was going to go in, the one where you like, you hold your hand because you're like, that one's good. And so you would call game, right? Like, so you would shoot that shot and you'd be like, game. Or if you were really cool, you'd say, Kobe. Right. You would do the thing or or even a baseball player. You just waiting on a pitch and then here comes that pitch. And, you know, like before it even that one's going over the fence, you're calling game on that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's what Jesus is doing here. When he says it is finished, he's saying to tell us, this is final. This is mission accomplished. Jesus called game. Can I get an amen today? It's final. It can't be canceled. It can't be buried. It can't be shut down. He called game. Are you with me? Many of you builders or somebody who likes home projects, you might even find it the same way. You built a project, and there's just that, that thing on the inside of you when, you when you put in the last screw. You've built the whole project. You get to the last one. You drive that thing, and you step back as a man, and you're like, Tetelestai. It's finished. It is finished. It's a, it's a sense of great, great, great accomplishment. In the 19th century in real estate, they would have actually labeled that word on a real estate exchange. So if you bought property or sold a home or something like that, it literally would have said across the top of the paperwork to telestai, which meant the deal is done. The price has been paid. All sales are final. You can't go back on this. Are you with me? There is no canceling the work of the cross. There is no burying the gospel. There is no proving it untrue because to telestai, it is finished. It's all final. Can I get an amen? Which is what I want you to understand today is that your addiction's not gonna win. Your pain doesn't have power over you. It has all been done and handled on the cross, and there's victory because he came out of that grave. Can I get an amen today? All sales are final. The work of the cross can't be buried, censored, or canceled. He said it is finished. What's interesting about this is he didn't say, I am finished. He said, It is finished. The reality is, Jesus was just getting started. The work of the cross brought for us the ability to be close to God and sin no longer separated us and the power of that perfect blood gives us the ability to be near him and know him and so the work was final but his relationship and his desire to be with us and move among us was just getting started. Can I get an amen? So this isn't something we celebrate as 2,000 years ago. We celebrate it as alive and moving and I know that's why you get excited on a place like today and this morning is because God is still moving. John 16, 33 says this, I have told you these things so that you might have peace. In this world, you may have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He's saying, look, it is finished to tell This thing that happened on the cross, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have pain. You're going to have frustration. You're going to have hindrances. You're going to deal with addictions. You're going to deal with loss. You're going to have all of these things, but take heart and have peace. Why? Because to tell it is finished. I've overcome it all. Can I get an amen today? We're going to see unrest in the world, and we're going to see divisions, and we're going to see anxieties and fighting, all these kind of things. But take heart, submit to me, live under the power of the cross. Why? Because he's overcome all of it. And he's still moving, and he's still operating, and it can't be undone. You can't stop the work of God. It is finished. All sales are final. If you think about even today, right now, there's no other time. There's no other even thing that could compare to what's happening right now, Easter morning. We are celebrating worldwide the work of this man known as Jesus Christ. Currently, as we're right here, three billion people will worship on every single continent of this planet. Three billion people will worship, meaning one out of every three people on the planet. To put this in comparison of like the active and still alive work, again, it's not just an era. It's a happening moment. God is moving in our midst. And so even today, to put this in comparison, we think the Super Bowl captures the world. Oh, everybody watches the Super Bowl worldwide. The Super Bowl only draws 118 million viewers. And currently, right here on Resurrection Sunday, over 3 billion people are lifting up the name of Jesus. Why? Because it didn't end. It's still happening. Are you with me? Worldwide, it's growing faster than it ever has. In America, you may not see that and sense that because we're, we're actually declining and falling away. But if you look worldwide, church is growing faster than it ever has. The reality is about church, the body of Christ The church, the local church, is larger, if you were to put its population together, the population of Christianity is larger than China, Europe, and the United States combined. God is moving and alive and active in our world. Can I get an amen? What's amazing about this is that it started with really small numbers. You think about like, how can this be? And how can this still be happening? And there's all the divisions and rebuttals and all the things that take place, but it's stood the test of time. It continues to advance. What's amazing about it is it started so small. We see in the beginning, there was 12 disciples. They were called the learners. And so they sat under the teachings of Jesus and they were learners. And uh, it grew from 12. And then later in scripture, you see 120 uh, followers. And then you see, as I just mentioned to this day, 2000 years later, there's 3 billion people worshiping and professing the name of Jesus. What's amazing is Jesus never wrote anything down. It's not like he was just this brilliant uh, person who was so good in his writings and so inspirational and had great, such, uh, great social media campaign and he knew how to put everything out and New York Times bestsellers. He, he didn't write anything down. It's by the testimony and the attest of people's lives changed that these things grew. If you think about it, there's no, nobody else in human history that has more books written about him or for him than Jesus Christ. It's the, best, the Bible is the best selling book of all time every single year in a row again and again, it becomes the bestseller, bestseller. If it wasn't a truth, if it wasn't real, if it wasn't still active, then don't you think this thing would have died off by now? Well, people are naive and people are ignorant and people fall for things. If I were to pull all of you in this room right here, right now, I would say, Hey, how many of you have had Jesus change your life? You have had an experience with God that forever changed you. Majority would raise your hand. Why? Because he has, and he did, and he will continue to. And so you've seen all of these bestsellers. There's no person with any more art, statues, buildings, architects, or architecture or songs than Jesus Christ. This person who is God, who came and dwelt among us, lived among us, took on flesh and blood so that he could pay for our sins. Because it's what? It's still happening. It's still active and it's still alive. Jesus is the most documented human in human history. Historians use the book of Acts to rediscover land. It's actually pretty awesome if you look it up and you see uh, they wanted to discover different things about different places in land. And so they took the book of Acts and they began to find and discover how historically accurate the book of Acts was. Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles and now his message is worldwide. Our history is split by the resurrection, your birthday, every time you celebrate your birthday. As a matter of fact, I need to let you know to some degree you're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have A.D., we have B.C. and A.D. Literally, the foundations of how we live are affected by this man, Jesus Christ. There is no greater fact attested to in human history than the empty tomb and the resurrection of the appearance of Jesus or the appearance of the resurrected Jesus. I mean, I'm seriously spend some time going and searching and looking at all of the documentation that goes behind the fact that the tomb is empty and hundreds to thousands of people witnessed a resurrected Jesus who touched things and carried things. Are you with me? These aren't just stories. These are things that hold up over human history. Uh, I want to give you just a really inspiring inspiration because I can't talk about Easter without talking about the power and the magnificence of what this really is. There was prophecies that were given 450 years before Jesus came and walked this earth. Now, I could probably convince somebody to, to carry on a spoof for a few generations. I could be like, hey, in three more generations, we're going to make up this whole story. and We're going to make it work. And we're going we're gonna to get this whole story to live itself out. But and even that would be a stretch, right? Because how many have heard your grandpa tell the same story a different way every time you visit him, right? <laughs> right? Just mine? Okay, I mean, that's just mine, I guess, apparently. Anybody on Facebook chat? That's them? But think about this. The idea of some kind of conspiracy theory that made its way, these prophecies, these prophecies that were told 450 years before Jesus even walked the earth, for these to even live up, 450 years, it's just insane. Let me give you a few of these because they're so specific. They didn't say, hey, there's going to be a guy with brown hair, he's going to be six foot tall, you know, he's going to like to drink water. You know, it's nothing like that it's very specific these prophecies just a few of them they said he would be born of a virgin you know record stop like you're 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 going like you know okay that really narrows things born in bethlehem entered in jerusalem on a donkey betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, spat on and struck, crucified with other prisoners and made intercession for his persecutors, pierced through his hands and feet, pierced through his side. Soldiers would gamble for his clothing. He was buried in a rich man's tomb and he would one day be resurrected. All these very unique prophecies. I want to tell you in the Old Testament, there's 300 prophecies that were said or foretold before he ever came and all 300 of them came true. It's insanely unbelievable and undisputable how incredible it is, just the foretelling of his Life was. Let me break it down for you a little bit more. If you took just eight, let's just grab eight of the 300 that came true, they give us this example of the odds of just eight of these 300 actually coming true. If you were to take the state of Texas and cover it two feet deep with coins, silver dollar coins, two feet deep, the entire state of Texas. Now, we need to understand how big Texas is. We drive to the top of Michigan and it takes us four hours. To drive across the state of Texas, it takes you 12 hours. So this is a really big state. If you were to take and make this state, uh, cover it with these silver dollar coins two feet deep, then what you would do is you would mark one of them with a red X, and then you would mix up all of those coins, mix them up all real good. And then we would take you in a helicopter and we'd put you down somewhere where you wanna go and you would have one chance, just one chance to find the red X coin. The odds of that would be one with 17 zeros behind it. It's 100 quadrillion of the odds of that, and, and, of that's eight, and that's eight prophecies coming true, 300 of them did. Just eight of them is one with 17 zeros behind it, and 300 of them came true. How many of you know this thing is legit? How many of you know this thing has power? How many of you know that this thing is active and moving and can't be silenced? Are you with me today? Let's get a little more intelligent with it. Like Simon Greenleaf, he's the principal founder of Harvard, and he got so annoyed and frustrated with all this religious nonsense that he said he's going to devote his life to, to, to uh, erasing religion. It's time for this to be silenced and go away. And so he set out to disprove the accounts of the New Testament. The more he dug, the more he researched, the more he found that you can't disprove what God did in the accounts of the New Testament, so much so to the point that he became one of our nation's leading apologetics leaders, which is uh, apologetics is a person who gives the defense of the gospel. Simon Grayleaf, the more he looked at the truth, the more he realized the truth is truth. Can I get an amen? William Ramsey is an archaeologist. Some consider him the greatest ever. He set out to do the same thing. He said, I'm going to take Luke's account of different things, and I'm going to disprove Luke's account. He comes back after going to Israel, and he puts out uh, his findings. He says that Luke is the most preeminent and accurate historian of all time. Why? Because the Bible is true, and it's accurate, and you can stake your life on it. Can I get an amen today? Let's get a little more modern with it. The atheist Lee Strobel, uh, he worked for the Chicago Tribune, an award-winning journalist. His wife got saved and began to go to church and give her life to the things of God. And he was, again, frustrated with it. What a waste of time. I can't believe that she's doing this. I'm going to take some time and I'm going to disprove what she believes, and the amount of time that she's wasting. So he researches and he sets out, only to then, as he's looked more into it, discover that it's all true. It all lives up. It's undisputable. And now he's one of our leading apologetics leaders. He wrote the book called Case for Christ, and uh, it's the all-time best-selling book in terms of apologetics. What am I? What, why are you talking about all this? Why are you saying all these kinds of things? Because God is a God of power, and when He says it is finished and it's final, how many of you know you can believe it's finished and it's final? Can I get an amen today? What we're celebrating today is real and true and it's flowing through our blood and you can sense it and feel it and I can too. Why? Because it's something you can give your life to. When I've been talking the last couple of weeks about God is the God of power. He's the God of power. And we've been saying that impossible is where God starts and miracles are what he does. So when he says to Telestai, when he says it is finished, you can believe that. When he says that this is final and mission accomplished and, and when I paid for your sins and I, and I covered it, how many know that you can believe it? Uh, we've been saying miracles already does. The signature of God is power. It's the miraculous. We've been talking about how... Um, different people have signatures to what they do we say the Picasso if you looked at his art you would say oh there's like a a signature or a theme or a thread through all of his work you would say that's kind of his thing or if you said Stan Lee with Marvel comics or you looked at his movies or things like that you'd say there's a there's a theme there's a signature there's a thread to Stan Lee's work if you had to say what is the signature or the thread of Jesus life here on earth it's a life of power can I get an amen today it's a life of saying dead things can come to life. It's a, it's a thing that says you don't have to be stuck there. You don't have to be held back there. God wants to move in great power in your life. Can I get an amen? So the question is, if this is all real, what do we do with it? I'll close with this in our last few minutes. If this is all real, if he said it is finished and and you can go through all the prophecies and they all stand true, and, and if we believe that we can stand on all the accounts of the New Testament, what does it all matter to me? I mean, if you did all these things and it all works, like what do we do with it from here? The Bible gives us a pretty sobering question and a pretty sobering idea. I would say it to you like this. None of this does you any good if you can't answer the following question correctly. And that question is this, do you know him? Do you know God? Because Matthew chapter 7 gives us the terms and conditions of eternal life. It says this in Matthew 7, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter heaven. It actually says this, it goes on to talk about like all these different things that people thought they could do to get to heaven. He goes on to say, yeah, there's going to be people who prayed and tithed prophesied, served on Sundays, went to church on Easter. It says people that cast out demons. It says people who served in Sunday school, people who were just good people and thought because they were good enough, they could make it to heaven. And he says this, then I will tell them plainly, like clearly, plainly, firmly. I'll just, it won't even be like a dispute. He says, I'll tell them plainly. I never knew you away from me. Because the question that I asked you is, do you know him? Because Jesus is saying here, when you get to heaven, what it's going to come down to is Jesus saying, do I know you? Do you know me? Do we know each other here? It's great that he said it is finished. It's great that all those things hold up. But when you get to heaven, if you haven't chose to know him, then he's going to say away from me. The Greek word is gnosko. It means to know or to be known. He's saying gnosko. Do you know me? To be known is to personally or have experience with. Do you personally have experience with God? Do you have a relationship with God? Are you intimate with him? Is what this word gnosko means. One of the ways they would use it back in scripture is they would use it as like a, a term between a man and a wife. Do, they, do you know intimately? Not a, I know of, I know some things of. No, I know him. I know gnosko. I know that I know And this so frustrated the religious leaders because you got to remember the religious leaders were not about knowing him. They were about knowing the rules. So it was like, oh, make sure you wash your hands the right way and do the right thing on the right days and do all the right ways. So here comes Jesus and he's like, hey, all of this is about one thing. And also go, me knowing you, I want to know you. So people are like, oh, what an unloving God. I can't believe that he would say away from me. No, 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 you're missing it. All the way back to the beginning, what he's actually saying the whole time is I want to know you. Well, I thought you said, you said it all boils down to knowing God and and that his signature is power. It is, it's powerful love. It's powerful love. It's this powerful love that I love you so much. I'm not gonna leave you in your condition. I want you to know me so that I can take you out of that that pain and that sorrow and that hurt and that confusion he's saying i love you so much that i want you to know me so that you can know who you are can i get an amen so the religious people hated it ah no i don't no there's no thing no you got to know the rules and jesus isn't coming here saying like come and learn all the rules as a matter of fact he's saying you can go to church and know all the rules and do all the things but if you don't know me i'm going to say away from me Paul says this in Philippians three, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He's saying, Gnosko, I want to know God because in knowing God, I get to experience the signature of God, which is the power of God. The power to break this addiction, the power to break this habit, the power to overcome this loneliness, the powerness to overcome this insecurity, this powerness to overcome this doubt. I want to know that power, Gnosko. I want to know it. Are you with me? Because this world is so full of confusion. One group says it this way. The other group says it this way. And then this one gets louder at that one. And that one gets louder at that one. And we just find ourselves even more divided. And God is saying, come know me. Because in me, I am the way, the truth. And I am life. Gnosko, I love you. I want to know you. And that's God's call for you today. And that's the message of Easter. It's finished. He's handled it. It's done. It's final. It can't be canceled. But I want to know you. You got to accept that. I want you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to give you that opportunity to start this journey of knowing God. You say, oh, Pastor Josh, I want to do that. How do I do that? How How do I start to know God? What's amazing is God gives us this invitation to know him. And we see the instructions here in Romans. I'll read it to you. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you call upon the name of the Lord, what you're saying is, God, I want to know you, Gnosko. I want to know you. I don't want to know the rules of church and the things of religion. God, I want to know you. I'm calling upon you as my Lord and Savior, my way, my truth, and life. So Romans gives us this instruction how to pray, and I get the opportunity to lead you in that prayer this morning. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. It's the same thing. Does it make you perfect? Absolutely not. doesn't make me perfect. doesn't make anybody perfect. None of us are perfect. But what it does is it it says, God, in my heart, I'm confessing to you that I want to know you. I want to get to know you and learn you. Gnosko. So I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you or call you forward or have you leave your seat or anything like that. But right where you are, I'm going to ask you to just repeat this prayer after me. If you're watching on Facebook, I encourage you, wherever you may be, however you may be watching, maybe even later, if you pray this prayer, I believe that power will meet you right where you're at. So all of us together, just repeat these words after me. Say, God, today, I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son Jesus and he died and rose again. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody give it up to them that prayed that prayer. I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, we actually have a free book we want to give you that helps you with some of your next steps. Uh, If I could say it like this sermon today, it helps you gnosko God, helps you get to know him. And uh, we wanna give that to you for free. It's down in our prayer room, just down the hallway past the coffee bar. And uh, you can stop back there and let them know you prayed that prayer and they'll get you that book. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, or even if you're in this room and you text that word prayer to the number on your screen, just lets us know that you prayed that prayer and uh, we can pray for you this week, encourage you, help you anyway way that you would need. So if you could do that, that would be helpful. But I really wanna encourage you. It's finished, it's final. God did such a great work. And the way that he did that is because the reason he did that is it cleared such a great way for us to know him and experience him and walk in that power that is his signature, amen? Let me pray for us all one more time, and then we'll dismiss. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your way. Lord, we ask that you help us realize this truth, that God, it's your desire to know us and know us intimately. God, give us a passion to get to know you in all the ways that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.